The KC Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Chiefs Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be with you until 7 p.m. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs legends getting their inside perspectives on their career, past Chiefs game, and a look ahead at the upcoming one. Tonight's special guest is former Pro Bowl long snapper and broadcaster Kendall Gammon. So stick around to hear his stories, especially his take on the Chiefs' offensive line, special teams, and much, much more. I will say, I was walking in the casino, and I was laughing because I've not been asked my age in a long time. Not often do it, does a 29-year-old man get asked his age, and you have to be 21 to walk in. So they asked me, and I'm sure it wasn't alarming at all, or at least not making them very skeptical when they asked. And I said, um, wait a minute. Yeah, 29. 29. Yeah, I'm sure that seems to go for very, very well when they're trying to ask how old I am. But we are here. I'm back. Chris Jones is back. Travis Kelsey is back. And the Chiefs are back. We'll get to that and much more. But the big news coming out of Kansas City today, Patrick Mahomes getting a revamped four-year deal. The contract, to my understanding, is still the original 10-year contract, but the money got pushed up for these upcoming four years. These four years up until 2026 is now guaranteed. It's the most money in NFL history over a four-season span. Uh, The Chiefs and Mahomes plan to revisit the agreement again after the 2026 season. Equity Sports CEO Chris Kabat, who negotiated the deal on behalf of Mahomes, told Schefter. Now, before I get my thoughts, do we need to reach out to Florio to see what he has to think? I mean, I'm pretty sure Florio was the, was a guy who uh, needs needs to be get this information before us. But doesn't matter. Maybe Chris Jones could use the sports CEO, Chris Kabat. Uh, Mahomes' agent might help him out as well. Uh, but again, Mahomes becomes the NFL's highest paid player in the summer of 2020 when he signed that 10-year ex- extension worth $450 million. No player has topped that contract in terms of total value. But in terms of AAV, he was down to eighth. Mahomes down to eighth in AAV before this deal was signed today. Mahomes getting a much-deserved raise. Now, with this contract, we are going to see over the next couple of days, weeks, what do the underlying metrics of this actually say? How much of this is going to go up against the cap? How much of this is going to be used as a bonus? How much does this open up money for the Chiefs to spend this year, next year? Obviously, Jerry Sneed, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. A lot of these questions, will they be back in the upcoming seasons, need to be answered We'll find out all that and more. Let's take a quick break. We're going to bring on our special guest, Kendall Gammon, right after this. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Chiefs Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB live at Hollywood Casino at the Kansas Speedway. The best spot to watch Monday Night Football. Joined now by Chiefs former Pro Bowl long snapper and broadcaster Kendall Gammon. Kendall, 
How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Sterling? I'm doing good, but not as good as you. Okay. You, you were out in the golf course today. I was out at Canyon Farms and, and played some golf, and as I told you off the thing, off air, that uh, you asked how I played, and I said, you know what, I'm glad I played football for a living. <laughs> we would have been starving as a pro golfer, but you know, I had a great time. I was with Dustin, Mary Beth, uh, Adam, and Rick, a quick trip, and I'm not getting paid. It's just that they, they were one of the many companies that came out there to, to help us raise funds, uh, the Chiefs Ambassadors, and it was just a, a fabulous time. Beautiful. Day. Yeah, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day. Now, I wish I was golfing, but we're here. At least, you know, I'm not Patrick Mahomes. You're not. I, I you're would, right. I would, Nor like am I. The, I would like that money, but it's okay because he is the quarterback of a team that we cover and root yeah. for, and that makes it all okay. Mahomes, again, getting this revamped contract kind of came out of nowhere. What were your thoughts when you heard Mahomes revamped four-year deal? Well, exactly what you said. It did come out of nowhere, but that's that's really how the Chiefs do things, which I think is good is, you know, the, Everything contractually is done inside and, and, and not public, and it should be. And, of course, the Chiefs and, and the team for Patrick Mahomes, you know, they have a great working relationship, as you would expect. And, and so, I mean, we'll probably, as you said, learn more about it here in a week as things come due. Because I asked, does it create cap room? It probably does to a degree. It, I'm assuming it's more just to placate the, the side of, you know, him not being the highest paid, uh, you know, quarterback, which, which he should. He's obviously the best and whatnot. So it's really interesting, though. I mean, what, is it, what did you say, the most guaranteed money over four years? Is that correct? Yes, he, he now just, just ekes out Lamar Jackson by 100000 It's wow. 208, 100000 Wow, that's, that's more than I got paid. <laughs> well, I mean, significantly more. Yeah, but, you know. Long snapper is just as important. Without, well, without, without you, the ball's not getting back there. Well, you know, A, B, C, D, you know, who do you come to watch <laughs> play a game? A, Patrick Mahomes, B, Travis Kelsey, C, Kendall Gammon, or, or, or D, definitely not C. You're going to, you're going to, you're, you're going to take D, which is definitely not C. I will say this though, can Mahomes juggle bowling balls? You know what? I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen it. I don't know, but he probably could if you worked with him a little bit. If especially if it was going to be an extra comma in the contract. But yeah, fabulous. The, I, the dude's just a magician. I had to ask you that, man. You did absolutely because I see it every time I look up Kindle Game. It's can juggle bowling balls. And my thought process was one: how much do the bowling balls weigh? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Two: how did you learn how to do this? And three: right. just why? Why? Absolutely. What this same old. Uh, juggles bowling ball story um well i'm a juggler i started juggling in the eighth grade I actually performed center ring for ringling brother and barnum and belly circus twice uh, uh during actually back when i was still playing and um you know it's just part of you know i do a lot of speaking corporate speaking for high schools also for teacher and service all kinds of different things and so i have some metaphors that go along with the, with the uh juggling the bowling balls but the bowling balls Back when I was a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger, you know, I could I could juggle the sixteen pound bowling balls. Now we just get the ones that that, that, that weigh eight pounds, and, yeah. and we still make the point. And I still need people to be impressed. I don't know if they are, but yeah, I'm impressed. It, it, oh, there you go. So I mean, I'm one I, for I, one right now. It would hurt my hands just to catch eight pounds, but again, that's why I'm not built for the NFL. Yeah, I think right now if I was out here juggling bowling balls, everybody would be more than a little bit surprised. <laughs> well, I was a little surprised that Chris Jones sat out week one, but yeah. then he, he played 51% of the snaps Crazy. week two. Uh, I did notice there's that 50% snap count share as far as right. some of the yep. some of the things he needs to hit, so 51% maybe not an accident, but he was a game changer, one and a half sacks, but he also early in that game set up he caused, George Carloff. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, I mean, he was everywhere in that game. How impressed were you with Chris Jones and just the defense in general? What does he mean? Oh, well, it's unreal. I, th- I thought he did a great job. Uh, you, you guys that have played the game, and you guys have probably talked about it a little bit, but I thought this might happen in terms of I knew he would have fresh legs, and of course he does, and you could see it out there. I mean, he's getting off the ball, and, and he's bat out of hell. It was, it was fabulous. You know, I think he might have batted a ball down as well and he just he's doing a lot of good things he, he wreaks havoc in there he can play the run well he can get to the QB you see him run, uh, lining up at a six technique maybe on the outside eye of the tackle line up on the nine outside the tight end he can go in at D tackle his natural position just a lot of flexibility when he's in there yeah and what I find fascinating is the Chiefs give up nine points to an offense that is Top five? Yeah. Top ten easily in the NFL. Right. And by the way, Charles Aminahu, their big free agent signing, yeah. is not back until week six. And we forget about that. You're right. And you're just looking at this team already, and you're used to seeing Steve Spagnuolo have a defense that starts slow. Yeah. This year has not been the case, giving up 14 points to the Detroit Lions and nine points to Jacksonville. No, oh, by the way. Maybe only six because Richie James had a fumble that directly yeah. led it to a right, field goal. Right. How impressed have you been with Steve Spagnolo in general? Because there's always those calls early in the year for fire yep. spags, fire spags. I'm always the guy saying, come on. He's the only D coordinator in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. Yeah. He's a damn good coordinator. Those are a little quiet right now to start the year. He's clearly doing something right, and I forgot about that, that he's won one with two different uh, teams, and I didn't realize he's the only one. But he does a nice job. I think what we're seeing this year is maybe a, a little – continuation of last year you know early in the year last year he talked about the fact of you know he doesn't like to play young players but he had no choice last year he said you we, I, I hope that the athleticism and the speed makes up for the lack of experience well they've got that experience now and, and i think you're seeing it on the back end and then also what i'm seeing also is it's just a defense that's fast yeah. they run the, laterally the sideline to sideline they run well i think it might have been uh the running back for Jacksonville got out once. I forget if it was him or not, but, I mean, he had – it looked like he had the edge, but Bolton and I think Legarius got out there yeah. and just had a nice job of how they ran to the ball and and just good tackling and just running, as I just said, sideline to sideline. It's impressive. Uh, Kendall Gammon joining us right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB, as we hear live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway until 7 o'clock for the Chiefs Legends show. I do have to ask you, okay. being a pro bowler, a, a pro bowl long snapper, I want to learn some of the intricacies behind long snapping. I mean, I, I don't think I just wing that mother. I, I, <laughs> no, it's just a little bit more than that. What do you want to know? Because I, I want to know just just what all goes into it. Because it, it's you, the kicker, and the holder, right? And you have to work on that craft. It's not just anymore. You don't have just a center back there, right? You have a specific job, and you do it very well. I believe you're the first Pro Bowl long snapper to only be a long snapper. Uh, but basically, they added to the to the Pro Bowl roster. Yeah, yeah I was. I, that, that, that's what they tell me, so I just go with it. And at this point in time, <laughs> in the history it's, books, it's, come too, on now. it's too far back to really fact check. So, um, yeah, I, I'm proud of what I did. Um, it's 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 technical, you know. I. I came in, you know, I was the first long snapper to ever be invited to the Combine, and then I went into the Combine as kind of the third-rated snapper uh, of all divisions, came out of the Combine as the number one snapper, and that got me an 11th-round pick by uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, of course, would be a free agent these days. But, you know, stayed in for 15 years, I think, basically because 
you know, people could trust me, and, and then, then I, I help the kickers out as well. And you ask about some of the things. I talked about this on In the Zone with Jason and Joshua uh, this last week. Uh, I love the fact that they'll talk to me about long snapping, just like you, by the way, which is, you know, um, I snap the ball three and a half revolutions on eight yards. It's going to – it spins at about 600 revolutions per minute. Uh, the balls that I snap for that, and more likely punt, though, is about 43 miles per hour. And for field goal snapping, it's at about a five-degree angle, which means that the ball is going to hit about 18 inches above the spot so you can just catch it. Every time it spins three and a half revolutions is for a reason. It's not just because I had a lot of time on my hands. It's because then the laces were sitting right there. So uh, you probably maybe don't, I mean, you're maybe not old enough to remember it, but Ace Ventura laces out, Dan. I didn't want the little kicker chasing me around because he, he missed the game-winning field goal kick. So uh, anytime, it's, you know, when I speak, I talk about laces out. When, on my, my emails, my text, you'll see laces out. It's about facilitating the success of others, helping others be successful. That's what I tried to do as a long snapper. Uh, believe it or not, I actually asked Dan Marino last week. I had a chance to interview him. Oh, did you really? And, and the one question I had, well, not the one. My final question was, how did you like doing Ace Ventura? How did you like being an actor right. in that movie? We had a good laugh about that. I'm glad you brought this up because I just thought it was very, very funny. But you're, it's calculus. It's math. It, yeah. It's not just you're winging it. Right. What goes behind long snapping is so intricate, and I find it so fascinating. How similar are all long snappers? Do you guys all have your own individual process to get there? We're similar, but everybody does it a little bit differently. I mean, the way I held the ball for for, for punts in terms of the ball was almost straight up for whatever reason, and I, I don't know why. That's just how it worked for me. And that, that's the thing. is just, you know, whatever works for you, it's kind of like you find in a wine. It doesn't have to be a $150 bottle of wine. What they say, find a wine that, that you drink, and, and if it's $10 and it tastes good, get that one. You know, everybody has their own style. How I just compared long snapping to uh, wine selection is beyond me, but all the same, which is just basically everybody kind of has their own style. Now, I've come in. I've been to uh, Tennessee before. I've been to Kansas City once also, you know, since my career's done, to, to work with some long snappers that were in there and talk about some things. Normally, it's talking about the mental side of it, sure. uh, not so much the physical side of it. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's not like... I figured out that it needed to rotate three and a half times. I figured out how to snap the ball so that the laces were there each and every time. And then later on, looking at it in slow motion, realized it was three and a half revolutions, and that's what I do every single time. So you played for three different teams, obviously different punters, Uh different holders. Did any other punter or holder have a certain process? Did they say, hey, can you try doing it this way? Did they have... Or did they basically let you do your thing? They let me do my thing, uh, and they they tried to help and, and... the thing was just getting comfortable. You said it earlier, which is working together as much as possible. I was kind of famous for in practice when we had time. It's like, who, who's in the mood to get better? Let's get down and let's get some snaps. I mean, it didn't matter that I played 13, 14, 15 years. You're always trying to rep that. So when it comes time to – I mean, in, in today's game, more than ever, uh, the points are at a premium, and you're winning by less than a touchdown. So those field goals and, and extra points make a big, big difference. Yeah. Uh, Kendall Gammon joining us right here at Hollywood Casino, uh, Sports Radio 810 W. HB. I want to talk about the offensive line and specifically Jawan Taylor. Yeah. You know, week one, there was all this talk about it. Only got flagged one time, and that mm-hmm. one was, in my opinion, different than all of the other ones. I was right. like, that was a legitimate false start. I get that. Now, week two, everyone was focused in on him. It seemed to me like he got in his head a little bit because Andy Reid, he alluded to it saying, hey, those were all penalties. Those weren't just people because they were focused on him. Right. Those were legitimate penalties. Right. He ended up getting sat for two snaps in that game. 
you know, Juwan Taylor was this big offseason signing for Kansas City. You know, he's going to be here for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. What did you see from him, and what does he need to do to get right? You know, I, I like what Andy did, which is take him out and, you know, said, you know, I think he was he thought he was a little bit rattled and took him out a couple uh, snaps, just tried to get his wits about him, send him right back in there. And, and, you know, there was talk during the week, I think, there was a lot of mumble in the press of talking about that, how the, that was going to be a point of emphasis from the referees because they had looked at that. And, and it is it is pretty plain that the first game, and even going back, you've heard it, you know, last year when he was with the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars and he was getting off early and we are losing our minds. Now we think it's fine. But the the fact is, he's just got to concentrate and understand this part of it. I get it. Sometimes maybe he is getting off right on the snap, but there's several times he's not. You understand why he wants to get the jump. And then the other part of that, which I'm sure you're going to bring up, is you know having to, as a tackle or a guard, you, your your head is supposed to break the belt belt line of the center. And they, they basically, they I don't think they... They very rarely break the belt line, but they generally need to be on the butt of the center. Yeah. And, and he was just, there was a couple times he got called, or at least the one time I remember, where he was, it was legitimate. He was way far back, you know, trying to get that depth uh, to deal with those outside edge rushers. That's something you've just got to deal with. But either way, he's a hell of an athlete. He's, he's, he's a Pro Bowl type player. He's going to be fine. So, so we're told a lot of times the referees on those, they'll say, they'll give yeah, you a warning. They first. will give, there's no doubt. He, I, I have no doubt that he got a warning. And then, and then he just decided that hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my chances. No, I, I I think he was trying probably trying to watch it. But when you've been doing something for so long, even if you're trying to watch it, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, I was. Uh, we won't say famous, but I was certainly known for kind of moving the ball sometimes on fourth and less than five and see if we can get them to jump. And at times I would get people to jump, and then, you know, afterwards they'd see that I'm, I drew them off sides. But yeah. at the time, you know, I can remember some refs coming up to me at games like, dude, you got me in trouble a couple of games ago. Yeah. I mean, they would talk to me. And, and I remember, you know, in the in the, in the the preseason they come to camps and, and the NFL makes this – video of all the points of emphasis what they're going to do and i remember one year they were talking about the long snappers not moving the ball and jump, bringing them uh, jumping them off sides and everything and you know i was the poster child i was the one they were showing that was doing it so it is what it is it happens sometimes yeah uh kindle gamma joining us right here sports radio 810 whb at hollywood casino um i want to ask you about the interior right now because on these fourth and shorts right, right. These third and shorts Andy, a lot of times, seems to overthink it. Well, what happened this past week? Isaiah Pacheco up the middle, it was extremely easy. If you are a center, if you're Joe Tooney, you're Creed Humphrey, you're Trey Smith, you're right there in the middle, are you almost frustrated when it's not Isaiah Pacheco running right behind you? Are, do you think they're frustrated at all with some of the play calls of, okay, here we go, it's Blake Bell back there for the old bell dozer, or is it one of those situations where they still have to just do their job and say, you know what? we got to find a way to carve out a yard, even if it is Blake Bell back there. Um, in my experience, and there's not a lot in terms of being in there in live plays, but just in general, there's so much going on. You just listen to the play called and you run it. Yeah. And, the, and the fact is also some of these quote-unquote cute plays, I get it to a degree if they don't work, they all of a sudden they're, cute, they're being too cute. But uh, if you run these cute plays and they work, all of a sudden you're a genius, you know, and, and you fooled them and, and yeah. you figured things out. So, you know, that that's the beauty of being a fan and the hindsight is you look at it afterwards and decide what you think should have happened after the, after the fact. But um, uh, I, I think the guys do like to just put – you know, some weight on the fingers and, and go forward. But but in the moment, I don't think there's anything but this is a play we're running. Yeah. Afterwards, maybe they, they critique it also. But sure. at the time, no, there's just too much going on. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Patriots game last night or at least see the highlight of the blocked 
uh, field goal. I did not. I'm sorry. This was a situation where I have never seen it in all my years of watching football. Okay. And we all are sitting back now saying, well, one, of course, it was Bill Belichick that tried this. And two, it was a situation of how has no one done this before? So the guy who's going to be blocking at the field goal uh-huh. starts from way off the field. Uh-huh. He is, let's just say it's, you're on the 35-yard line. You are running perpendicular. Uh-huh. And then you wait to time it, and then the second the ball snaps, you have a running start, so right. you cannot get touched by whoever's trying to block you. Right. He blocked this and almost just took it directly out of the, the kicker's foot. Wow. And I've I did never not seen see that. that, and that is unique, and I've never seen that done in my life. And so wow. I was, I was going to ask you, in just one of those situations as a long snapper, this is going to be something where I think teams around the NFL, and the reason why I want to bring it up to you is they might have to change their cadence. Kickers right. are going to have to change their cadence. And when you do something like that, because I'm sure you, the holder, and the kicker all have a certain thing. You, you do. Don't want, kickers are, you have a rhythm. I, I talk to Nick Lowry all the time. Yeah. Y- you know, very finicky. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But they're very finicky, right? Yeah. They, they have they have their, their right. own... Um, their own setup. They, they only, yeah, they do. They, but they're, they're in a rhythm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you can. And, and as a center, you can get in that rhythm also. That's that's one, one thing for me. You know, I, you know, I never sat there over the ball the whole time. I, I looked back there until the kicker was about ready because they've got their own rhythm, what they do. And, and you know, God bless them. I, I understand that. They want to do the best they can. And they try to do everything the same. But I wouldn't get down over the ball until I knew they were about ready to go because I didn't want to sit there in the batter's box for, for all that long. That being said, when you do that and they call, I mean, basically you can see on there, there's you can get a pretty good rhythm. That's probably what Belichick or, or their special teams saw was there There was a direct rhythm that they could really yeah. count on, and he's running. And so they probably practiced that quite a bit in practice and, and got it figured out. But, wow, that kudos. Leave it to Belichick to yeah. figure that one out. And, and my thought process is, oh, my gosh, what has he opened up? This exactly. is a can right. of worms. Right. Uh, this will never get uh, the can back in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. In he gave that, that uh, dissertation last week or the week before about uh-huh. long snapping, like 10 minutes. All of a sudden, somebody asked a question that he wanted to talk wanted to talk about, which I thought was pretty funny. I, you know, everybody and their brother was, you know, texted me that that article <laughs> or that that clip i didn't watch it but all the same <laughs> you thought about watching I, it you know what i had every chance to watch it yeah I just it, did not. you thought about it and I, you thought you know i almost did you almost did yeah. uh, i want to talk about travis kelsey because yeah. he was back obviously had a nice touchdown catch um one of those plays that broke down mm-hmm. he was there from Mahomes that was that was missing week one but he's been getting heated otas right training camp First game back, and Andy Reid talked about how they were trying to get under his skin. They were right. trying to rile him up. At the same time, though, it seems like he's almost reverting back to what he was his first couple years in the NFL, where a little thing will set him off. He's drawing these penalties. He's unsportsmanlike conducts. Right. What do you think is going on with Travis Kelsey? Is it is it a sense of he's been in the NFL a long time now, and he's just he's sick and tired of people trying to get under his skin, or? Um, I don't think that. I, I don't think he's nearly as bad as, as he was when he was uh, younger. Of course, he barely played his rookie year because sure. of the knee injury. But um, somebody else asked me about that. And to me, he has a knee injury, and he's still playing. And, and, I mean, it's not hurt too bad, but it's not perfect. And I think 
what his mind thinks he can do right now. His body's not allowing him quite. And, and I think he had, you know, he had that touchdown catch that Mahomes just was a fabulous throw. And he, I think he was very irritated that he didn't catch that because he expects to catch that ball. Yeah. It would have been a great catch, but he expects to catch it. I felt like when he, he caught that touchdown pass and punted it in, in, in there, which I loved, <laughs> um, I think that was frustration. Yeah. I just think he was ticked off about things. That being said, you saw that. I mean, this was just a guy who understood where the window was once uh, – Patrick broke uh, con- contain and got out of the box and uh, did a nice job. And, and it, that's just a guy that really understands windows and what's going on. Yeah. With Travis Kelsey being 33 now, he's had a uh, – I don't know if it's the first major injury, but probably the first major injury since, as you mentioned, his right. rookie year. Do you ever get nervous that at age 33, this is one of those injuries that you never get 100% again? Because you, you see it with guys all the time. Right. They don't really fall off a cliff, but Rob Gronkowski could, could just never stay healthy ever again. Right. George Kittle's not quite that old, but it seems like every single year right. George Kittle's re-aggravating some sort of injury. Do you have the same feeling with Kelsey or still way too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell. I think I think you're 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 right on in terms of wanting to watch for that because I generally I think that's a consensus. But your guys that are that are your generational players at that position, and of course for him tight end, um, they generally do things that others don't do. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, with that, I'm, I feel like this is not going to be that type of injury. That's yeah. probably wishful thinking as well. But again, it's 33. I mean, father time is undefeated. So at some point, it's coming. I still feel like he has a couple of years. But that being said, and all all of these, which is, I, I think Andy does a fabulous job of picking and choosing uh, what he has Patrick or what he has uh, Travis in there for and how he does it. And, and he may have him block on the backside some. Very rarely, I think, play side to a degree. He understands that he's that he's getting getting older and you pick and choose i think yeah kendall gammon joining us right here at hollywood casino sports radio 810 whb you played for three different teams the steelers the saints and the chiefs what was it like with each different organization how are they run how are they similar how are they different i'm not trying to have you throw shade on any of the organizations but i know they're obviously run well that was the worst coach ever no um (laughs) you just go there um uh, pittsburgh i liken the most to what I was around uh, Andy's first seven years that I broadcast. And, um, you know, Coach Cower, who had come from Kansas City, and at the time I think was the youngest head coach, of course that's been supplanted since then. But, you know, a, a guy that played the game, and I just thought he was on top of everything. He never embarrassed guys. I mean, he told them how it was. Uh, if he talked to the guys or if he talked to coaches, it was uh, it was outside of, you know, in in the public. I mean, in front of the players and, and with the team anyhow. And I just thought, I think he did a good job of that and understood everything very, very well. So, um I mean, he was probably the one that I likened the most to where we are now. But you know, I played, played some, some you know, some crazy good coaches when you think about it. Of course, yeah. Cower, uh, Vermeil, Ditka, Jim Mora for eight games, um, Herm, uh, you know, uh, Gunther, God rest his soul, of uh, for a year as well. So I've been around it. But uh, Cower's probably the one I like the most. He's the one that I really thought was just complete on it. That being said, I, I played for. I played for three Hall of Fame coaches yeah. who, who have Super Bowl. Yeah, I was say, you, you've been Absolutely. pretty, pretty, pretty blessed to play. You, you haven't have. had any of the uh, Nathaniel Hackett's. In I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and they didn't get any rummies. I, absolutely, I didn't get any Jags. Uh, looking at the Kansas City Chiefs' offense over the past two weeks, they have struggled. Not yep. been what the Chiefs have right. wanted to do. Obviously, to start the season off, we talk so much about Andy Reid. So good off of a bye. Andy Reid, you know, with time draws up incredible game plans. Now, I do think Week One a little unfair. He didn't know Travis Kelsey. The focal right. point. Was 
was going to be out until two days before. Yep. This time he had a 10-game uh, sample size from Thursday until Sunday night, or, uh, Sunday at noon, the only noon game, of course, on the right. Chiefs' schedule this year. What has been the issues with the Chiefs' offense so far? You know, I think it's probably maybe taken a little bit extra time than they thought to, for Patrick and the the, cube, or the wide receivers to get on the same page. I think the spacing was a little bit off in terms of the route running. Um, what I saw in the first game, for sure, I thought there were some crossers that sometimes that, that, that messed with the, the guy behind him. I think there were guys, you know, oftentimes in, in the passing game, you try to get this triangle where you, you get a three-on-two and only two defenders. And at times, I thought the spacing was too tight to where two defenders could, could uh, guard three. But I, I just think it's getting on the same page with it and and i don't sloppy is not the word it, it wasn't sharp there's no doubt about that and and i think everybody including patrick and uh the offense expects to score more points than they have so far but you've also got everybody in the nfl that's studying extra hard all through the offseason to figure out how the hell do we stop this phenom do you think it was a miscalculation of the chiefs to not go out and try and bring any more proven top of the line starter now mvs he's a um a really solid wide receiver he's never been a wide receiver one or let alone a wide receiver two uh richie james a guy who i really like because he was a veteran with with the giants he was with san fran for a while he had a really nice year last year not shown a ton yet this year justin watson i was said if if it's a roller coaster you have to be this tall to ride you have to be better than justin watson to see the field because the chiefs trust uh, justin watson right but but then you have a whole bunch of youth you have a whole bunch of unknown you have an injury-prone guy with all the talent in the world in Kadarius Tony, but it is obviously a very unproven group. And then you look around the NFL, and teams are doubling down, tripling down on these top-of-the-line wide receivers. Do you think there's any chance that this was a miscalculation in the offseason? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, I think they tried, but I think that's one of the beautiful or just – one of the things about the NFL is the salary cap. It's yeah. part of the game itself, and you have to manage it. And when you've got a QB like Patrick Mahomes, you got to make sure that's number one. He can make decent receivers, great receivers, I think. Um, so I don't know. You know, Time will tell on that one. And it's a wishy-washy answer. I understand. But I just don't think we know. I, I think a healthy Travis Kelsey playing makes the other wide receivers that much better. And I also think once they have a few more games under their belt, you're going to see uh, this passing game develop more. Yeah. They, um, Andy Reid, I mean, he's he's Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. He's at the window drawing things up over and over. He gets another call. He's drawing more things up. The, the dude is, I mean, he's playing 3-D chess when others are playing checkers. That's, that's just what I think of him as a play caller and also as a communicator, as a head coach for what I've seen. I think the dude's just – Unbelievable, And because of that, I think they will continue to rise and get better as this year goes. Kendall Gammon joining us right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. We are here live at the Kansas Speedway until 7 o'clock at the Hollywood Casino. Do you play fantasy football? I love asking former players yeah. if they played. Uh, Grunny, I don't think, said he did. Uh, Marino said no. Uh, Emmett Smith said no. Where, where are you at? I never did during my career. I think it was going then. Um, and rarely. I did a little bit with my with my uh, two boys, but would just get to where I, w- I would forget about it and I had so much going on. So I, I just didn't completely get into it um, for whatever reason. I understand why it's fun, and it, it really brings in you know the interest of the game to everybody and, and not just your own team, which I think is beautiful. But uh, I am currently not in any uh, leagues this year. I always think it would be so hard for former players. Yeah. It would be, be so well, hard. I just ticked because they didn't have any type of you know uh, scoring system for long snappers, so this is just my own personal boycott. <laughs> How would you score it? I have zero idea. You know, 20 points for a 
successful yeah. uh, <laughs> no, successful no, no, punt, no. you know. Absolutely. J- just really high-scoring long snappers. Actually, I would probably think less of anybody who came up with a scoring system for long snappers. <laughs> so uh, it, goes, it goes without saying. What are your thoughts – I love asking, again, former athletes, former yep. NFL players, your thoughts on the analytical side of the game. You know, I, I feel like it's a, it's a two-way street right here where some are all in. They love having the extra information, and some people say, you know what, it's just too much. The game's played on the field. It's not played on a spreadsheet. No matter how much you dive in and find this, that, and this stat at some point, it doesn't really matter. It's what's happens between uh you know the goal post the goal lines right there well it is what happens between the goal posts but the fact is when those things happen you can put them into that spreadsheet and you know statistics are statistics and you know the bigger sample size you get the more accurate it is so i i think you have to pay attention to it yeah uh for me yeah one of his andy Reid should go for it more often on fourth and three fourth and four right. basically anytime they get over the 50 now maybe i'm a little too aggressive here but right. my thought process is you have the best offense in the nfl you've had the best offense in the nfl for multiple years now right. why get so conservative and don't get me wrong tommy townsend had a phenomenal punt pinned him on the one yard line right. tough to go against that argument when yeah. he does something like that but where do you fall on the andy Reid's very uh, aggressive and then in certain situations gets a little too conservative. You know what? I think he's talked about it a little bit, which is just, you know, sometimes it's a gut feeling. I mean, I think you have to take that into account sometimes. I think I am very certain he's very aware of the percentages and, and whatnot, but there's just sometimes where he just it doesn't feel right or maybe he doesn't feel like they're clicking the way um, he would like them to be clicking and, and feels like it's not going to be as successful uh, as it needs to be. So that's about the best I can come up with. Yeah. Uh, as we look, look ahead to the yeah. Bears, right, yep. this is going to be a, a huge game. Um, Justin Fields was hyped all offseason long. Actually, Dylan Michaels, the guy who helped me set up here and myself, we kept saying, Let's pump the brakes just a little bit here in Justin Fields. Let's let him get to a top 15, right. a top 10 quarterback before people try and throw him into the MVP race. And we've seen him with a very slow start, but he's a very good runner of the football, puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers. What are you looking for from Kansas City to try and slow down him with his legs? You know what? I, I think it is. You have to run sideline to sideline and make sure he doesn't get out. And, and you make sure that there's no run game to help him out with, with the running backs, I mean, so that he has to become more one-dimensional, which is throwing the ball or, you know, putting it in his, under, under his arm and trying to run with it and maybe do too much. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, they, I didn't even know anybody had thrown him into an MVP race. It was MVP absurd. Race. Those, <laughs> those people clearly need to be tested. There's there's some DNA issues going on there. Uh, so um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. That, you know, anybody on any, any given Sunday, obviously, with that. But I just think this defense of Kansas City is playing uh, with more confidence than I've seen them. And they're just faster than yeah. I've seen in quite some time. So, for example, Trent McDuffie, Leo Chanel, you know, Trent's entering his second year in the NFL. You're yeah. seeing, I think, Nick Bolton entering, what, his fourth year now. It seems like it's, the game is slowing down a bit yeah. for him. I know these are all different positions, but for you, when did the game slow down for you? I know it's a little different yeah. here, but was there ever a certain period where you're like, you know what, this seems a lot smoother now? And as far as just the NFL in general, when do you kind of right. see that switch? Well, long snapping is long snapping, so you have to get into it. But I'm going to say I was a backup offensive lineman for probably the first eight, nine years. <clears throat> and really, my third year with Kent, with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers was when I got it, when as a center, when I went up there in regular plays in practice and even preseason games, um, when I went up and I could identify the, 
the, the defense, and I knew exactly what was going on. I knew what the backs were doing. I knew, you know, if the safety was in the box or not, what the backs were doing and how we, we were doing all these different things. And, again, it was that jump from that second year to that third year for me. So, again, with the, the defensive secondary and all these guys who are in their second year that I think are a lot better, I think that's only going to get better next year. But that being said, I think they're playing pretty well right now. Do you ever believe in the sophomore slump? You hear about the sophomore slump all the time. Right. You know, I think some guys have it, some guys don't. I think you may have saw it with Legereus Sneed before he bounced back his third year. Right. And we're talking about Trent McDuffie. We're not seeing that slump, but he also missed a good chunk of his rookie season. Right. Is that a little bit overblown in the NFL? I've never believed in it. I think sometimes there's more ex- – if, if you played decent your first year, then there's more expectation your second year. So if you don't live up to those expectations, all of a sudden that's the slump. That So I, I think it's self-prophesizing by the people that are talking about it. That's the only thing I can come up with. But in general, no, I, I don't. For, for, the, for the most part, um, I, I think – with the more experience comes better performance. That being said, there's more tape on you, and now people can, can attack you a, a different way because they've got a bigger sample size to look at you. Kendall Gammon joining us right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB as we are live at the Hollywood Casino right here. It is a lot of fun, man. This is 14 oh, this TVs is back here. Absolutely. 14 TVs. Yeah. We, yeah. we got the first Thursday night or first Monday night football game on, the second one coming up at 715. Right. Man, I, I like these two Monday Night Football games. It's, it's pretty cool. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I'm so glad football season's back. I mean, the NFL, obviously, but even, even you know, college football. And, you know, I'm, I'm Pitt State Gorillas, so I'm glad yeah. to see them. They're number three in the country. Uh, Barnburner at Central Missouri uh, last week. But uh, last week also I went up to Boise State and watched the UCF-Boise State game, and that was a great game. Uh, and, you know, walk-off field goal to, to win for, for UCF. So, you know, they didn't get it done on the blue. But all the same um, – it's just so much fun. Yeah. Football just rules. You grew up in Kansas. I did. You, you went to school in yep, Kansas. I did. And, did you grow up a Chiefs fan? I did. I, a Chiefs fan, but actually more a Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. I, I mean, I was always a Chiefs fan as well, but I mean, let's be honest. I, we weren't that great at that time. And, and for whatever reason, I liked the Cowboys. Uh, I used to get the Dallas Cowboys weekly. I knew everything, all about them, all that stuff. So, of course, I got drafted by the Steelers. They started signing my paychecks, so I started liking them fan. real quick. Yeah, and I hated the Steelers beforehand, but you know they start signing your paychecks. It's a little bit different thing. But to play for the Steelers and also to play for the the, the Chiefs, two of the best family-run organizations in the NFL, who have so much history in what the NFL is about because of the Rooneys and because of the Hunts, is just phenomenal yeah what's your outlook overall on the chiefs season because you know last year winning the super bowl that's pretty tough to top obviously but i think the chiefs have this whole they understand three makes a dynasty yeah you've heard mahomes talk about like yeah two's great three is what really separates you from the rest of these mini dynasties if you will the the teams that were on the cusp how important is this third year, and what's your outlook look like for it? Well, I think they're – I've said it all before the season. I think they're as positioned as well as anybody to, to get it. You know, And doing it back-to-back is tough because you play so much longer. They played so much football in the last four or five years. Uh, but they're set up – I think they're set up better than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I say the word stole. I don't. Uh, that's, that's tough, but – I mean, that game last year, that Super Bowl could have gone either way with yeah. us in, in Philadelphia. So I feel like we, we we did well, almost stole that one when you could say maybe it, it wasn't our year. Uh, I would have been looking to this one, but we got that one. So this year, I, I think the Chiefs and everything that's going on, they're, they're, they're set as well as anybody to, to repeat. That being said, it doesn't, it doesn't get done that often. And I thought that was genius and, and real by 
uh, head coach Andy Reid to really challenge them and talk about the fact that, yeah, two's great, but if, if, if you really want to get on the, the books, it's not only getting three, but doing it back-to-back. People don't do that very often. Yeah, you, you played on the 0-3 team, which went 13-3. and When right. you have these high yeah. expectations, mm-hmm. how much pressure does that put on you? Oh, I don't remember it being pressure just because you feel like you're playing well. We were having a great time. Uh, is that the one that we, did we play? Did we play Indy in the playoffs and decided not to make them punt? Is that yeah. how that went? Yeah, <laughs> we need this year's defense for that. But um, yeah, I didn't feel the pressure because we were just having a good time, and, and you know, obviously things were going well at thirteen and three. But that's just one of those deals. Yeah. Did you have any favorite teammates? Uh, you know, Trent Green was always a favorite of mine. I, I describe Trent as the best human being I know in general. Everything about him, his faith, family, football, like everything. Um, but, you know, so many different guys. Uh, you know, Eric Hicks. Uh, oh, man, there's just too many to, to mention, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to ask you who you didn't like. I'm not going to go there. There were very <laughs> few people. There were very few people that I didn't like. There was a few guys that I didn't get along with well. I remember my, my rookie year, first day of training camp in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and I, I I pull around and, and I I I hit uh, Greg Lloyd and he didn't like it and he comes after me and we're in a fight and we're in a fight. I'm just like really when we got pads on and I I don't <laughs> want to fight. I mean it is what and we we got our helmets on. What are we doing yeah. here? But it is what it is. Yeah. Why do football players do that? They have yeah, their helmets on and they're and they're trying to punch. We're hitting them. the head too many times. I don't know <laughs> what it is. What's well, one more with no, your hand? It, it, th- things get when it's hot and humid and and things going on. It, it, you just get chippy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, when it came to playing the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, I'm going to probably throw the Chargers out of here, but when right. it came to playing the Broncos and the Raiders, which team did you like to beat just a little bit more? Well, you know, my first year here I think was in 2000, and I think that's the first time that we beat the Broncos in Denver. That was under gun uh, in I don't know how many years. So that was a big deal. But, you know, Raider Week's Raider Week, and you go there. I enjoyed winning there because it was just a, such a dump that you played in, uh, but a great dump. You know, it, was, it was our dump. It was their dump, and it was just it was a great atmosphere. So I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, was it sad for you? I mean, I don't know if sad's the right word. Because I grew up in Kansas City. I've always right. been a huge Chiefs fan. But when, for me, it's, it's always been, you know, Oakland Raiders. Right. right. For me, I'm 29, yeah. so yeah. it's been Oakland. But when they left and went to Las Vegas, part of me was sad. Right. Because I love that, well, I don't know if hatred's the right word. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah. But, but the, the actual rivalry. rivalry. Yeah, the, the history. Yeah, and it was so sad seeing that because it was a little sad yeah. when, when the Chargers left San Diego to go right. to L.A. Because L.A. doesn't have a ton of fans, obviously, as we've seen. Were you sad at all seeing these teams bounce around like this? I, it's it's too bad. It's part of it. There's a lot of teams. And, I mean, Oakland, the Raiders, they just, to me, they just belong in Oakland. Obviously, they have that little stint in, in L.A., but they just belong in Oakland. It's too bad yeah. they couldn't get a stadium there for them and whatnot. But I, I do think it's good that Las Vegas has a, te- a, a team. Uh, I think that's huge for a lot of reasons. That being said... I won't say I feel sorry for the Raiders, but you go there, and I've been there twice to to watch games, and and it's just stale. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just not the environment it used to be. And that was the one thing you did like about the Coliseum is is that was football. It was a cool place. Uh, before I let you go, Browns Steelers tonight. Who do you have in, in this in this heated? Man. Oh, man, I, I played in that game a lot. That's the, nobody likes anybody with that one. Uh, wow, uh, I've got to. I don't know. I like how the Browns are playing. So it, it's hard for me to pick against the Browns, but the Steelers. You know, they did not look for good the first game, and it makes me think, okay, they're going to come out hyper focused. But if I've got, I, 
and I apologize, I don't even know, is it at Pittsburgh? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think Pittsburgh gets it done at home somehow. I don't think they're the better team, but I think the home field, get, they get they get it done there. Uh, Chiefs, former Pro Bowl long snapper and broadcaster Kendall Gammon, really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Great time. Anytime. Yeah. Huge hands, dude. No one you can snap the football like that. Uh, you know, it used to be. I mean, look at that. Uh, not anymore. There's there's not exactly a minor league system for <laughs> snapping, so it's been, a, it's been a minute or two since I've snapped the football. Beer league softball, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll take a quick break. Come back live here at Hollywood Casino Sports Radio 810. WHB. Welcome back to the Chiefs Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes still live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Make sure you guys come on down the best spot to watch Monday night football. I'm looking at 14 TVs right here. You got baseball on, you got football on. You're going to have two football games on at the same time. Saints and Panthers tied at three. There's a Panthers fan right here. You know what? Maybe we got to root for the Panthers, Dylan. Dylan's going to join me right now. Thomas here. Davis Sr. It's strong. Well. It's a very strong. Does that change your mind of who to bet on now? It's a tie game. You can get the, the live line right now between the Saints and the Panthers. I see that. I'm I'm always rocking with the with Carolina. I I like to stay away from betting things I don't know anything about. And <laughs> I'm not a big NFC South enthusiast. Oh, so. surprisingly, huh? So yeah, I've, I've stayed away and uh, just hoping for a, a you know a good game. Uh, Normally we have on Tanner Rome for the final segment, but Tanner Rome, the sportsbook manager here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Well, he's busy. So I'll be speaking he's, on behalf he, of He's uh, getting married. Oh, but, wow. But, but Congratulations. See, yeah, I, but see, congrats to Tanner. But I trust his betting judgment way more than I trust yours. So if you want, I would never, never take up Tanner's segment with him. No, I no. But so, but so the point is, if you want to fade you or me, yes. uh, that might be best for the general public. Uh, but then the... Late game, the game that starts in what, uh, 20 minutes? Yep. Steelers, Browns in Pittsburgh. Who do you have? I'm going to go with the Steelers just because everyone liked the way the Browns looked versus disliking how the Pittsburgh Steelers looked against, I would say, probably the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking the Steelers are going to bounce back just because Mike Tomlin, one, he hasn't had a losing season, and two – he seems to motivate very well, and it's not hard to motivate after losing by 30. I'm always a huge fan of teams regress to the mean. Now, not always are you going to see that in a two-game sample size, but I'm always a fan of regressing to the mean. So just for what you said and laid out beforehand, I'm also with the Steelers. Don't like it because you and I have a season-long bet going yes. of who wins more games, which basically is a battle of who is less inept at picking teams. Uh, right now, uh, old boy, myself, is up one against you. One week, yes. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but call it. We're going to call yeah, it. we're going to call it We're, we're going to call it after one week. Yes. There's no reason to go 17 in the it playoffs. It was sudden death. It was sudden death one week, and uh, I'm out. Looks like we're on the same page, though, on this one at least. Yeah. So. Uh, I do want to say with Mahomes getting the historic restructuring of his contract, I sit back here as a Chiefs fan, Chiefs coverage, a, a person who lives in Kansas City. And I am so excited because you look around the NFL landscape right now. Joe Burrow, hard to say if he's going to play week three. and He's not looked good the first two weeks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel horrible for him. He is out for the year. Lamar Jackson, uh, do you want to pay Lamar all that money for a guy who's been injured the past few seasons? Josh Allen, at times, looks like he drops acid and then goes out and plays football. 
think it's going to be okay here in Kansas City. I love the restructuring of Mahomes' contract. Again, they will revisit after the 2026 season. This right here was the Chiefs Legend Show. Live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. I am Sterling Holmes. We will be here every single Monday from 6 to 7 during the Chiefs season. Until next time, we are out.